Good morning. Ah, this is a wonderful time of the year, a wonderful time to be together with friends, family, loved ones. Uh, as I heard everyone gathering this morning, it was a, it was a real toss-up uh, about what was the thing that was most on people's conversation, Santa Claus or the Allen Eagles? Yeah. How about those eagles, huh? Uh, pretty cool. It's uh, wonderful to see that, uh, that accomplishment. And uh, we have some of our own that are members of the team and, of course, uh, part of the whole entourage that, that participates in that. So there's a, there's a lot of real tired people this morning, but very happy people. Uh, Christmas came early for some folks, came last night. And we're real, real thankful for that and, uh, and congratulate them. Uh, others of us still have some Christmas shopping to do. Uh, we got two days left today and tomorrow, and then it's all over, okay? So, you know, don't, uh, don't waste the time now because some of us haven't quite finished. <clears throat> and that, that's the way that goes. And so we'll be at the malls or wherever we go to do our shopping interesting thing could happen. What's this little clip about, uh, about what happened at one mall?
You know, that's not what you normally find when you go to the mall at Christmas or any other time. Well, maybe the very beginning of that was. The, the, the very first part where the people are just kind of milling around, walking, looking, shopping, uh, talking, laughing, you know, doing the things that we do. Because at this time of the year especially, we like to go to do our Christmas shopping with other people, you know, friends or family or coworkers or neighbors or, or whoever. We just, we just enjoy that. kind of helps us get in the Christmas spirit a bit. But not, not often do we find when we go, we hear these people breaking in to this song and then all the other people joining in with them. I mean, at least not, I don't go to the mall a lot, but haven't seen that before. When they, did you notice the looks on the faces of the people, the expressions? I mean, first it was just surprise. What in the world is going on? And, and, and then there was the curious looking around. Oh, there's, oh, no, there's, oh, it's up, oh, there's someone, you know, and they were trying to figure out where it was coming from. And, and, and then there was the, the bewilderment about why are these people that look relatively normal doing something so unusual? And finally, as they sort of settled into it and relaxed, they, the smiles on their faces, as they just enjoyed what was, what was going on, some of them even started kind of joining in. I like the guy kind of down at the bottom that started clapping on Go Tell It on the Mountain, you know, clapping along with everybody. Well, actually, he wasn't clapping along with everybody else. I guess that's why I like him. I can relate to that. God, God gave me the ability to sing or clap, but not to do both at the same time. So I, I, I identify with that guy. And, and, but, but he was kind of into the spirit of it, you know. He was, he was enjoying it. And there were a number of people that very timidly kind of started joining in. Uh, my favorite frame, though, is the last one right there. As everybody is just standing and looking up to the place where that song is coming from, the song of joy and hope and peace. And, and you know, I think that's a little bit like what happened in the, in the Scripture passage that the kids read for us a little bit a few minutes ago, that we find in Luke chapter 2. If you've got your Bibles, I hope you'll turn them to Luke chapter 2. We're concluding today our our series that we've called the Songs of Christmas. We first looked at Mary's song, the first Christmas song, and then last week we looked at Zechariah's song. Today we're going to look at the angel's song. This is the first song that was actually sung about Christmas after Jesus got here. Did you ever think about that? And it wasn't sung by one of Jesus' relatives like those other two. It wasn't even sung by humans. It was sung by an angel choir. <clears throat> what happened 2,000 years ago had a few similarities to what happened in the mall. For, for one thing, when you go to the mall, everybody that's there is just ordinary folks. You know, just anybody, everybody goes to the mall. Anybody that wanted to was there and. I mean, shepherds were definitely ordinary people in those. There's nothing special about shepherds. And if anything, they were kind of at the lower tier of society. They were kind of on the, on the fringes a little bit. And, and they, were, they were not 
terribly well thought of. I, I mean, they weren't necessarily considered criminals, but you didn't, you didn't want to grow up to be one. You didn't really, that wasn't really your, your vision for your kids to be a shepherd because shepherds, they, they, just, they, were, they never were settled. They were moving around a lot. People, people looked on them in those days kind of like we would look on uh, carnival workers or gypsies or something. They were just kind of in and out, and you never could be too sure about them. Well, that's because for, for a lot of reasons, but one is they, they had, to, had to stay with their flocks. I mean, this wasn't a 40-hour-a-week job they had. It was 24-7. You know, they, they had to be there with their flocks to help them find grass and water, and, and uh, they would be there to protect them in case some wolf or predator would come along. Even at night, they stayed with them because, uh, again, they're, to protect them from predators, also protect them from thieves, keep their sheep from getting stolen. And because of that, they didn't have much of a, much of a social life or a religious life. So they just, they were kind of outsiders, just, just people. Not only that, this story that we find in Luke 2 is, is a little bit like that because not, they were ordinary people and they were doing something very ordinary, just like the shoppers were. They were just going about their routine business of life. And that's what the shepherds were doing. They were tending to their flocks. They're out in the fields where they spend all, most of all of their time watching their sheep. And that, that's not terribly exciting work, let me tell you. I mean, you're sitting there, you know, occasionally there might be a threat. Occasionally there might be a, a, a moment of excitement or even a little bit of terror going on. But those were not all that, not all that common. Most of the time they just sat there watching sheep graze. Now, that doesn't, doesn't that sound exciting? Day after day, week after week, month after month, year after year, it's the same thing. Maybe you can say, well, I can relate to that. My job's kind of like that. You know, just continual boredom, doing the same thing over and over and over, punctuated by moments of feverish intensity or maybe even a little bit of panic because of something that happens. Uh, that's what the shepherds were doing. And then I, I think there's another similarity. You, you had these, just like in the mall, very ordinary people, just everybody, doing the very ordinary, common thing. But you also had a very extraordinary experience in both situations where there was this incredible song that broke out, a song about the birth of Jesus. And it's not just a song. It's a song to, about something that's for everyone, a, a song of great joy, of good news. Now, the obvious question is, why? Why of all the people in the world would God choose to send this kind of an angelic delegation with that kind of message to these guys? Of all people, why did he pick them? Well, three weeks ago, uh, tomorrow actually, three weeks ago tomorrow, William and Kate, the British royals, announced the pregnancy of Kate, that she was expecting a child. Now, I'm not really up on all of the protocol of royal families and everything you do, but 
I think this is a pretty safe bet. When the, when the baby finally is born, you can probably count on the first people they're going to send the news to will not be the longshoremen and the fishmongers down at the, at the wharf. It's probably not at the top of their list. I doubt that they're going to invite the London cab drivers to come and see Kate and her little baby at Windsor Castle. Okay, it's, it's just not what we do. When there, when there is a royal birth, we want to get the word out to the important people, to the significant people. We, we would expect if, if this happened and we were in charge, it wouldn't be some, some straggly old shepherd somewhere. No, we would want to have the, the important people, the kings and magistrates and governors, that's who we'd send the news to, that we would, or maybe we would invite the, the, the religious, I mean, after all, this was a spiritual Event. Maybe we'd invite the religious people, you know, the, the priests and the rabbis and the, and the rulers of the Jewish council and, and all of that. Or maybe we would invite the important people, the, the powerful people in our business and industry, you know, the Bill Gates or the Warren Buffetts or whoever, whoever they are these days. That's who we would want to know, along with the news media, of course. But you know what happens here? None of those people got the invitation. None of them. Oh, there, there were those magi that kind of figured it out. They saw that star and they kind of, oh, they're going to go find this. And they, they spilled the beans to Herod. I, okay, I get that. But God didn't invite them to come. They didn't get the, the angelic host telling them about what was going on here, Okay. So why? I mean, this is, this is sort of like the, the Mormon tabernacle choir practicing for months, Handel's Messiah, and when it comes time for the concert, they're told, well, we're just going to go perform this for about eight or ten guys that live under the bridge and work as day laborers. Go figure. So why? Why did God do this? Why did he send the angels to shepherds to invite them and only them to come see the child? It probably wasn't because these shepherds were especially uh, holy people, you know, exceptionally spiritual. I mean, these guys didn't have a lot of time for church stuff. They didn't go to the temple. They didn't offer sacrifices. They didn't observe the the festivals and the holy feast days and they didn't get bogged down with all those little religious rules and stuff that everybody else seemed to get caught up in most spiritual conversation they had was with sheep probably not real deep theologically i doubt it's because they somehow were were just so expectant of the birth of the Christ child. You know, like Simeon later in this chapter, he, he sees Jesus and he says, okay, God, I'm, I'm ready to die now, man. I, I don't think that's probably what they were. They didn't perceive themselves as, as particularly spiritual people with good reason. I mean, 
they, uh, they were on the go all the time. Some people have suggested, well, maybe it was because they were, uh, they were kind of a metaphor. Jesus was going to be the good shepherd. So shepherds, I don't know. I suspect the, the reason is more simple, basic, and obvious than that. I suspect the reason Jesus chose to send the angel delegation to the shepherds is because he wanted everyone to understand right from the start, right from day one, that Jesus wasn't the savior for the elite politically, socially, religiously, or in any other way. But he was sent to every single one of us just the same. Just exactly the same. God doesn't respect kings and princes any more than he does hourly laborers. God doesn't doesn't have a, a place of value for popes and priests that's any greater than the people in the pew because he values, he treasures, and he loves every single one of us the same. And in this very first crack out of the box with Jesus, he's sending a message. Look, guys, every one of you is the same. Every one of you matters. Every ordinary one. It doesn't matter what what your social standing, it doesn't matter what your education standing, it doesn't matter what your intelligence is or your popularity or how beautiful you are or how successful you are, any of the things that we judge people by and that make a difference in how we value one another. God says, I'm not into that. Paul makes this point in 1 Corinthians 1, verse 26. He says, brothers and sisters, look at what you were when God called you. Not many of you were wise in the way the world judges wisdom. Not many of you had great influence. Not many of you came from important families. But God chose the foolish things of the world to shame the wise, and he chose the weak things of the world to shame the strong. He chose what the world thinks is unimportant and what the world looks down on and thinks is nothing in order to destroy what the world thinks is important. You got you to gotta understand God's not into all that stuff. Jesus put it this way in Matthew 23, 12, but those who think themselves great shall be disappointed and humbled and those who humble themselves shall be exalted. In other words, God takes special delight in connecting with and using those people that others don't see as all that significant. Because then whatever happens, we understand it's God at work. Maybe you can relate to that. Maybe you know what it's like to feel like you're on the outside looking in. I imagine there were a lot of nights the shepherds sort of felt that way. They would have their flocks out in the fields up on a hillside and Down not far away was a little village, small town. And they they could see the the lights coming, shining out the windows, and it seemed so warm. And they could hear the faint sounds of, of the families in those homes, talking, laughing, the sounds of a family that loved each other. 
And they thought how wonderful that would be. Maybe you felt that way. Not one of the beautiful people, not especially powerful or wealthy or influential. Not really likely to see your name plastered across the headlines or the web because of some important thing you've accomplished, some great deed you've done. You're not on the A-list of the social circles. Or maybe, maybe it's not just out in the world and in society. Maybe, maybe it's even in the church you feel that way. You know, I mean, you, you put on a good front. You have a good face on it all. And everybody thinks it's really good. And you know how to talk and you do the things you're supposed to do. But down inside, deep down where nobody knows it's there. You think, man, I wish I knew what it was like to really have that connection with God the way it seems like some people do. But you look at your own life and it's not much religiously, spiritually. It's spotty church attendance, you know, infrequent reading of the Bible, if at all. Occasionally you do pray, usually when things are getting kind of tough, maybe when you're in trouble, you want some, need some help, you turn to God. Sometimes you think God really doesn't care that much about you because he knows what you're all about, what you're really like. On the surface, everything is great. But on the inside, you just don't feel like you fit in. If any of that resonates with you, then this story is particularly significant for you today because there's good news. Good news of great joy. The Savior that was born, he's for you. He is for you. It's who God sent him for. That's why the announcement was made to the shepherds. Not just to the important people, not the powerful people, not the significant people, the influential people, not the rich and famous, not the important, not the, not the wealthy, the beautiful people. God sent him to you. So what do we do with that? What do we take away from this? Well, Jesus is for you. You need to understand that. Just as the people to whom the angels came here in Luke 2 to proclaim the amazing news of Jesus' birth were just ordinary folks. So God specializes in you, not the, not the really special people. For another, just as they encountered God's inbreaking into their reality, into their awareness, while they were just going along doing the ordinary, run-of-the-mill, everyday things they always did, I think we need to understand that that's where God 
is in our lives. Not just in those, those mountaintop experiences, those wonderful spiritual times that you might have at church or at a retreat or at wherever, but, but every single day, God is there. If we just have eyes to see, if we just understand how he's working and, and how he's showing up. And not only that, I think just as they heard this incredible message of joy and hope and peace that was for everybody, not just them. And this message that we have is intended for everyone. I love the fact that the guy at the, at the end, the last song in that little video clip was singing, go tell it on the mountain. Over the hills, everywhere, go tell them that Jesus Christ is here. And... and That's what the shepherds did. Look down to verse 16. So they hurried off and found Mary and Joseph and the baby who was lying in the manger. And when they had seen him, they spread the word concerning what had been told them about this child. And all who heard it were amazed at what the shepherds said to them. And see, just just as they spread the word, that's our role today. Spread the word. Tell people what we know about this Jesus. And people will be amazed. Not just, not just at Christmas time, but all the time. Sharing the difference that Jesus Christ is making in our lives. And thanking God for that. Let's pray together. Father, thank you so much for the incredible gift of your son. Lord, we thank you for this time of year when so many 